Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, are we ready? Hiya, Bob. Hello there. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? I am really, 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 really want to sing a sing. Oh, they had a 25-year album. I can't believe that. Spice, the Spice Girls' first album, was released 25 years ago. It feels like yesterday. No, it doesn't. It feels like 25 years ago. Anyway, welcome along to Bareback, the podcast where we navigate our lives together as a bear couple. And explore the quirks of our respective cultures. I'm Ben, and I'm British, and my first language is English. And I'm Benja, and I'm Argentinian, y mi idioma materno es el español. All right, no one likes a show off. (laughs) Soy inglés. Uh, yes, you are. Very, very much so. And this week we are focusing on... Language. Yes, and in particular, borrowed words. What Spanish has made its way into the English language? And when would you use English while speaking Spanish? Well, we'll find out in a bit. But before that, let's go over our week. Well, I have to say, thank you so much for everyone who's been writing in and saying how much they enjoyed last week's episode with Jack White from Coming Out Podcast, You All Are Gay. You you still haven't managed to pronounce that. Y'all. Y'all. Y'all are gay. Y'all are gay. Regardless of how you pronounce it, people really, really connected with that episode. It was very heartwarming, very moving in parts. I did have to, you know, wipe away a couple of tears now and again. So much so that if you haven't already heard it, we put out a bonus episode, Y'all Are Still Gay, on Tuesday. So if you haven't listened to that, there's more of us chatting to Jack White about what happened when he came out and, and how he coped with that and how he dealt with that and how he navigated through all that. And also we talk a little bit more about British and American culture. I feel like you started the podcast with a very, very sort of thankful message where, to be fair, I was just going to complain. About what? You. Me? Yeah. What have I done? So, I was really, really tired the other night. (laughs) Really tired. Yeah, I remember this. And I went to bed. And I went to bed fairly early for the time that that we go to bed. And you came in and turned on the light (laughs) whilst I was trying to sleep. And then I said, well, haven't you noticed that I'm really tired? And what was your response? Oh, well. See? A little bit dismissive. Well, you're in bed. You're in the best place. If you're tired and you need to rest, like, surely being in bed is the best place. Yeah, but I was trying to fall asleep and you were turning the light on, making noise. It, it just doesn't work like that. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> that, that's your response as well now. Your natural <laughs> response. No, I was, you know, I do care for you, love, but at the end of the day... You were really tired. You took yourself off to bed. That's the best place you can be. Unfortunately, I had to turn on the light because I had to do things that involved me being able to see. You should have done your things whilst in the dark. Well, if I hadn't put the light on, I would have injured myself. Oh, well. 
Oh, touche, Bab, <laughs> touche. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a really busy week. I've been back to the motherland very, very briefly. I went to York uh, for an event and then I went to the Peak District for another event with work. Absolutely stunning part of the country. We need to go. We need to go and see it. It's absolutely beautiful. Is it different from the part of the Peak District that we went to, you know, Bakewell and... Well, yeah, we did go to Bakewell, famous for Bakewell puddings, Bakewell tarts as well. I think that's kind of like a gateway area because where I went was, st- I mean, it was like the Lake District. It was absolutely beautiful. And I felt like Postman Pat driving through these tiny little lanes with like little stone walls and there were sheep everywhere and it was sunny, you know, for a change. So <laughs> it was beautiful. Glad you enjoyed it. Whilst I was here working, getting tired. And there is something else that I, I want to get off my chest that I want to complain about. Okay. Because you know I like complaining. You love complaining. In fact, we went to the supermarket yesterday evening and we went to a more at market supermarket than we usually go to. And Ben was complaining about the prices. And I said, look, do I have to treat you like a five-year-old child here? Because literally you're not going to get the nice cured meats that we've just procured if you keep moaning about the prices in the supermarket as a whole. And to be fair, you didn't moan until we got in the car. And then you were like, can I moan now? And I was like, no, I'd like to listen to some music and drive home peacefully. Yeah, but I moaned anyway, because we <laughs> went to a ridiculously expensive supermarket that isn't worth it. But you still wanted to go there because you like to feel posh. <laughs> It's not that I like to feel posh. It was, we'd gone for a walk And it was near where we'd gone for a walk. It was just convenience, really. And actually, yes, I do have a pleasant shopping experience when I go to said supermarket chain because everyone in there was just really pleasant. I think three of the people who worked there said hello to me with a genuine smile. And I was like, if I have to pay like 50 pence extra for my rice, so be it, because I feel like I'm a valued customer. But anyway, what I wanted to complain about, what I wanted to get off my chest, and I know that this is shared by a lot of people... And that is Christmas in November. Now, we've had Halloween out of the way. We have Diwali that has gone past. We have Bonfire Night that has gone past as well. So Christmas has started all over. Christmas decorations have been in supermarkets and in shops for a while now. But people have started decorating their houses, putting up trees, Christmas songs... No, stop it. I think we need to take a little bit of a step back there because I I do agree with you that Christmas seems to get earlier and earlier every year. When I was growing up, it was kind of like the beginning of December, you know, the Christmas carols came on the radio and that was it. You know, you kind of gave up the whole month of December or at least until the 26th, 27th for Christmas. That's fine. But I think if you think about the pandemic and what we all went through last year, we were pretty much in, well, we were in lockdown during the Christmas period. We couldn't see our friends and family. This year, people are really, really excited about Christmas. Last year, we all put our lights up and things earlier because we needed something to make us happy. But this year, it's all about the celebration and, and getting ready for this big celebration where we can all be finally together. After, uh, after last year, this year... Let's go back to normal. Let's go back to Christmas in December. <laughs> I, I blame John Lewis. The, the John Lewis, for those of you who are not in the UK, it's a famous department store. Their Christmas advert comes out every year and they spend millions on it. And it's always kind of seen like the cornerstone of the season. And it seems to me that this year it's come out really, really early. 
Yeah, I know. It's come out already. So I think people have kind of seen the John Lewis advert. I saw that Marks and Spencers had put out their Christmas advert this week, a British supermarket. And I think it's just kind of open season. It's like, well, if John Lewis is doing it, then I can do it. Let's get the decks up and off we go. Okay, so my message, my Christmas message here in November to you all is stop it. (laughs) Well, I've got a little moan as well. I've got a little pet peeve this week. And it's actually been bubbling away as the week's been on. And I feel like I need to get this off my chest as well, because I'm getting quite angry about it. Okay. So, what's my favourite sweet treat? Um, Caramel shortcake? Caramel shortcake, yeah. Now, for those of you who don't know what caramel shortcake is, it's basically a layer of shortbread biscuit, caramel in the middle, and then chocolate on top. It's a staple of the British bakery, and it's absolutely incredible. And I have to say, I'm pretty good at making it myself. Yes, you are. There's not many things that I'm good at, but I'm, I can do a good caramel shortcake. I mean, I can think about at least three things that you're really good at. I'm <laughs> going to stop you right there. It's a family show. Is it? Oh, what were you going to say? To be fair, I haven't really thought about it. I just thought about three because I can think about two right now. And what? I thought, well, there must be one more that you're good at. <laughs> Charming. What's the other one? Yorkshire puddings. Oh, yeah, that's true. And I'm quite good at... Well, I'm good at lots of things. Anyway, this is... Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the millionaire shortcake, yeah. Now, a lot of people call it, as you've just said, millionaire shortcake, or millionaire shortbread. It's a step up from your shortbread. You've got your caramel layer, and you've got your chocolate layer. That's what makes it millionaires. I'm fine with that. I've accepted that. It's part of my own lexicon. We're loving it. But then I noticed that when we went to the supermarket, to the aforementioned very expensive supermarket, we bought some Magnums, you know, the ice creams. Yeah. And they do a caramel shortcake version of their, you know, ice cream lollies. And they call it a billionaire. Yeah, and I've seen as well some bakeries doing billionaire shortcake. What denotes a billionaire? Does it just mean that the toppings are more artisan? I don't know. I think that the only difference that I've seen is that some of them put, like, you know, the edible gold flakes on top of the chocolate layer. Mm. Okay, so we got the billionaire now. We, we need to elevate it a little bit more. Guess what Marks and Spencers have gone and done? They've brought out a trillionaire millionaire shortcake. Trillionaire? In a, yeah, in a jar. It's in a jar. Like, what trillionaire? You know, Bill Gates, I'm sure he's a trillionaire. Do you think he eats stuff out of jars? Probably not. Again, billionaire was taking it a little bit too far, was a little bit stretching it. Trillionaire? What do you do to make it trillionaire? Well, it doesn't stop there, Bab. This is what's making me angry. What, is it a quadrillionaire now? No. You've got Goo, you know, who make the puddings. Yeah. That you find in the chiller, on the chill dial. They've brought out a zillionaire millionaire shortbread. I'm sorry, it's just too much. Can we just like, it's like, you know, it's like what you were saying about Christmas. Like, it's just getting too much. It's just layer upon layer upon layer. Let's just take it back to basics. It's a millionaire shortbread. That's all it needs to be. That's all it needs to be. You know what it reminds me is like when I was like five or six years old in in, in school, we used to, when you wanted to have uh, something that, uh, that was surpassing your mates, you would say that yours what he is, but to infinite. But, of course, they wouldn't stop there. So we used to use something like it's infinite point purple or infinite point green. And at some point, adding a colour to it meant that it was even beyond infinite. So are we going to have something like that? Is Max Spencer's now going to put, like, a, an infinite shortcake? Plus magenta. Plus magenta, yeah. We used to say plus one. 
With that infinity plus one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know we, you know, we live in a world of inflation and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, zillionaire. Zillionaire, really? I mean, that's just... The thing is, you're setting yourself for disappointment if you're buying one of those, aren't you? Quite, because when I have a goo zillionaire pudding, I don't feel like I'm a zillionaire. I feel like I'm slightly elevated from a normal caramel shortcake. I probably feel like, you know, maybe I've won... You know, maybe I've got four numbers on the lottery or something like that. But I certainly don't feel like a zillionaire. So actually, it's false advertising. It's false advertising. I completely agree. And we're back in the room. We didn't go anywhere. No, but we had the little do-do-do-do-do-do jingle. Yeah, but we didn't go anywhere. We were here. I know. It's like a phrase. It's like um, it's like an idiom. We're back in the room. I mean, we're talking about language today, Bab. Like, you should be embracing all possibilities. Yeah, and you should know how to use your own language. Well, I do. I'm just explaining to you that it's... um, What is it? An, an it- a turn of phrase? A turn of phrase. <laughs> See how I am teaching you how to speak English? Uh, well, maybe, maybe yeah. it's been a long week. Yeah, but the thing is, is one of the things that we need to acknowledge is that there are a lot, in the Spanish language, there are a lot of anglicisms. For those people who don't know what an anglicism is, it's basically a word that originates in the English language that is taken by and used other languages. Okay. So, for example, football, and everything football is a great example of anglicisms in uh, in the Spanish language. So, football in Spanish is football, although technically in Spanish it doesn't make sense. So, in Spanish you would call it, if you translated football, it would be called balompié. Okay. So, the, the way that the Real Academia Española, the Royal Spanish Academy, so basically is the controller of the Spanish language deals with that is basically they just spell it as it sounds so football in spanish is spelled f-u-t-b-o-l okay and then everything football so corner which in spanish would be saque de esquina but we call it corner so probably the most spanish one of it all is that we call the goalkeeper arquero because we call the goal arco which is arc so like an arch Ah. So it's the, it's a shape. But then, for example, we don't really have a word originating in Spanish for goal. When you scream goal, it, in Spanish it's just gol. It's just G-O-L. Oh. But we don't have a Spanish word for that. It's just goal. Do you want to invent one now? Mm, no, I kind of like goal. It's in goals when, it goes when you scream it like goal. It just fits, doesn't it? That just sounded like you were falling off a cliff to your death. <laughs> I mean, potentially. You could do both. Why not? Go! Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of words and a lot of anglicisms. Now, some of them are necessary, like goal. We don't really have a word for it. Some of them are not. Some of them are just because we live in a globalized world, because we are exposed to films and TV and a lot of things in English. So you kind of take those words if you like so there are some of them that it's just lazy mm. that we don't use the mm. words in spanish because it's lazy mm. but i'm sure english is more or less the same isn't it there has to be a lot of words in the english language that originate the thing that blew me away the most when i did research for this episode was the word oregano 
Now, you would assume oregano or oregano for our friends in the US. Or oregano for in our Spanish. friends in the Spanish-speaking world. You would assume it was just an Italian word. Uh, to be fair... Yeah, you're kind of word, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Spanish. Anyway, that's a, that's a fun fact aside. So the obvious ones, when you think of Spanish words making their way into the English language, you've got mi casa su casa, siesta, tango, mañana, and tapas. Lots of food. Although I do want to ask a question. Okay. Because my understanding, burrito is obviously a really great Spanish food. Well, Mexican. Yeah. But isn't that little donkey? Yes. So Why? I have no idea. But then again, that's something that our friends in Mexico can probably answer for us because I I have no clue. Some of my favourites that have kind of made their way into the English language from Spanish. So you've got plaza. Okay. Although I suppose in Spanish you would say plaza. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, we say plaza. Breeze, that comes from the old Spanish word brita. Okay, I didn't know that one. Another outdoor alfresco based one, patio. Yeah, an alfresco. That's Italian. Mm, I don't know if it's Italian, but it's also Spanish. It's definitely Spanish. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Another one that I really like as well, although it's not a word that you use a lot, incommunicado. So it's obviously the past participle of the Spanish verb incommunicar, which seems to be related to prisoners being put into solitary confinement to prevent them from communicating with others. But it's the kind of thing that you would say like, oh, I'm going on holiday for the week, I'll be incommunicado. You will say that. Well, yeah, the thing is, incomunicado in Spanish, it just means that you are not able to communicate. So yeah. basically, it's kind of like you're cut off. So it, it yes, I know what you mean, that, that it comes from the, that solitary confinement thing in prison, but actually it just comes from not being able to communicate. Mm-mm-mm. And then the last one that I really, really like as well is savvy. Savvy? Yeah, that... and that comes from the third person singular of, of, of sabe, to know. Oh, I didn't know that that was yeah. originated in Spanish. See, I'm learning here as well. Mm-mm. And then there's, there's loads of cool stuff as well. Like if we look, again, looking at our, our friends in, in the United States, obviously lots of states in the US were part of Mexico until they were ceded to the United States mm-hmm. at the end of the Mexican-American War in, uh, off the top of my head, 1848. Um, yeah, the top of the head. Yeah, <laughs> the top of the head of Google, maybe. So Florida which is obviously translates as flowery. Mm-hmm. Montana, from montaña, mm-hmm. meaning mountain, which kind of makes sense because it's quite mountainous. And then Nevada, which means snowy. Yeah, but then you go... It's like the whole of the US West Coast. Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego. All of those have Spanish words. Yeah, 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 I know. But they're, they're the obvious ones. But also in America, I love the fact that a lot of words that we associate with cowboys are also Spanish words as well. So chaps, that comes from chaparreras, mm-hmm. and they're basically leg protectors for riding through chaparral, mm-hmm. which is basically vegetation. Ranch comes from rancho, which means a very small rural community. Mm-hmm. Rodeo comes from rodier, which means to go around. Completely makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And the best one, and I love this one, and I... I would never in a million years guess this. So the popular children's game, Bookaroo. So you know Bookaroo. No, what is it? So it's like a horse uh-huh. and it's on a timer. And you put you hang things on the horse. And eventually the horse will kind of bolt upright. And it'll throw all the things that you've hung off the horse off. And that means you lost. 
basically. Okay. I'm You've never sh- played Bookaroo? I'm not even sure I understand the concept of the game. You just hang things off on a horse until it throws it off. Yeah, it's not a real horse. It's a toy horse. Well, I know. But my point being is that when do you win? How do you win this game? By not being the last person to hang something on the horse when it flips back up. Uh, okay, so you take turns to do it. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a crazy game. Now, that comes from the anglicisation of vaquero, which obviously means cowboy. And that in itself comes from vaca, which mm-hmm. means cow. So it, it's really, really interesting how all these kind of things have permeated a language that we don't necessarily associate with the traditions and customs of Spain and Latin America. And that's the thing, is sometimes you don't even realise how embedded you have these words, these expressions in in your own language, and you fail to realise that actually they originate somewhere else. So what I want to do with you now, then, is because you are studying Spanish, si. mm-hmm, I am going to tell you basically the Spanish version of a word that we would normally, in Argentina, would use the English word for, and see if you can get what is that English word for. Okay. Because I find this a lot with Spanish, because obviously this, I'm learning Spanish, but I'm learning Castilian Spanish. You're learning Spain Spanish, let's say. Yeah, Spain's, I'm learning Spain Spanish. So we would say coches mm-hmm. instead of carro. So O auto. O auto, yeah, for car. And there's various different variations. But one of the things that seems to be extremely different to Spain Spanish to Argentinian Spanish is when you pronounce acronyms. So we did an exercise the other day and we, it was about, I mean, it was quite an old worksheet because it was all about a DVD player. But in Spain, you would say, de uve de. Yeah. Whereas in Argentina, you would just say DVD. Yeah. So I, I think that that's one of the things that characterizes Spain Spanish in terms that they normally tend to pronounce words that are uh, in English, but in the way that they would pronounce in Spanish. So, for example, if you were to buy Nike in Spain, you would call them Nike. Right, okay. In Argentinian Spanish, we tend to use the English pronunciation of the words. And that's what I mean the, in terms that you have it so incorporated. So that's why I want to try this with you. And the first one, you should get it because we've been talking about it. What do we normally call in Argentina? Un pantalón vaquero. So that's... Pantalón is trousers. Mm-hmm. And vaquero is cowboy. Yeah. So chaps. No. Cowboy... Oh, leather trousers. Cowboys didn't wear leather trousers. What? I mean... I, they did it in my fantasy. Yeah, they they, they do in Pornhub, <laughs> knowing in the real world. Well, it, it translates as cowboy trousers. Yeah, but what's the word that we use in Argentina for it? I don't know. Jeans. Oh, <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it? So in Argentina, you go out and you don't buy pantalón vaquero, although you, people will understand if you say, you go out and buy jeans. Yeah, okay. And we call them jeans. Oh, I feel really stupid now. Yeah, you probably should. That was an easy one. <laughs> so the next one, emparedado. Emparedado. So that's the correct Spanish word, but in Argentina, we wouldn't use it. Is it a food item? Mm, yes. A pasty? No. You know the, the word for pasty. Empanada. Empanada. It's not an ñ. Empanada. So, emparedado. It sounds like no empire, empanada. Give me a clue. 
we have it for lunch a lot. A sandwich. Indeed. So in Argentina, you would have a sandwich. You go to a restaurant and you don't have an emparedados menu. You have a sandwich menu. We use the word sandwich. What's a bocadillo then? That's like a small bite. But it's a sandwich as well, isn't it? No. I mean, in some places of Latin America, it might be the case that they call bocadillo, but um, not in Argentina. Okay. Okay. So you would just say sandwich? Yeah, we would just say sandwich. Okay. Sala de estar. Salt? No. Salt is sal. Oh, sala, room. Yeah. De estar. To be. Yeah. Uh, Maternity ward? No. So literally, translate, sala de estar literally translates to room to be. Or room to be in. Well, that's why I was thinking like maternity ward, where you create life. Yeah, it's not a room to born in, it's room to be in. The toilet? How much time do you spend in the toilet? Oh, the living room. Exactly, ah, the living room. Ah, okay. So in Argentina, if you're having dinner with your friends, you don't say, uh, oh, oh, shall we go to the sala de estar? Vamos a la sala de estar? You say, vamos a living. Ah, okay. Then so we call it living. Yeah. And again, you don't really realize that it's the same. And now, this is a tricky one. Estacionamiento. Oh, I know this one. Because you think it's going to be station, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's parking. Yes, it is. However, in Argentinian, it's not parking. We use the word garage. What? Yeah. So for estacionamiento, the we tend to use a lot the word, where do you leave the car? In the garage. Okay. But the garage can be your own in your house, or it can be like the public parking. Ah. But the reason why you say parking as well takes me to one of the crazy things about being in Spain. When I visited Spain and one of my Spanish cousins visited Argentina. So when my Spanish cousins um, visited Argentina, I found it really, really strange that they were taking photos of the stop sign Okay. on the road, like a road sign, a stop sign on the road. And I was like, why are you taking photos of the stop sign? And given is because in Argentina, a stop sign is in Spanish. It says pare. So the word to stop. But funny enough, in Spain, a lot of formal and legal signage, road signage, is actually in English. Oh. A stop sign in Spain will say stop. Do you think that's an EU thing? I don't think so. Mm. I mean, because the icon is what remains the same. But not the language. But you go into Spain and it's, uh, uh, and it's a stop sign, not a, a party sign. And if you go to a, if you want to find a parking, although in Spanish the word is estacionamiento, and in Argentina you will see the blue sign marked with an E, in Spain you will see it marked with a P for parking. Mm. Well, maybe, you know, Spanish people realised that the British were the best at designing signs and they just bought a few offers and it kind of spiraled out and you're blaming the eu supply chain for the science in I, I, I spain think to be... predates eu yeah exactly but it, it's quite interesting because when you talk about the estacionamento they're basically false friends falsos amigos well to some extent it is and it isn't so if think about the word estacion which is the word for station what happens in a station you get on a train and what does the train do so you can get on the train it stops. It stops. So the train kind of parks 
on in, in in the station. I think the technical term is dwell, but you know, potato, go. potato. I mean, yeah, I'm probably dwell originated in another language that is not English. <laughs> um, but estacionamiento, parking, cars kind of go and do what the train does at the station. They go and stop there. Okay, well, how about these then? Here's some false friends for you in Spanish versus English. Mm-hmm. Pastel mm-hmm. means pie. Means pie, yeah. In Spanish. But the word pie, mm-hmm. what would look to a, an English audience as pie... Yeah, it spells the same as pie in English. Means foot. Yes. So that's a false friend. And you have to be very careful with that one, don't you? Yeah, you don't want to go into a bakery and order a foot. Unless you have a strange fetish. What, like a foot-shaped piece of bread or something? Yeah, I mean, like a yeasty, yeah. Oh, no, thank you. Conservante. Mm-hmm, that's a preservative. So, like a jam or a butter or yeah. something like that. However, the word preservativo, mm-hmm. which looks like preservative, yeah. does not mean preservative. Yeah, it doesn't. It means condom. Exactly. So, you don't really want to be going into... A chemist mm-hmm. in in a Spanish speaking country, and you know, you ask for some yeah. jam when really what you want is uh, some form of sexual protection. Yeah, see, that one is a really weird one as well because we do have in Spanish the word preservar, which means to preserve. And I presume that preservativo comes from the word the verb of preservar, but uh, but I don't know what your are. Uh, I I don't know what the connection is. I guess it must be like the sheath, like preserving the member. I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. Well I'm pre- trying to work it out. It's preserving your sperm in, like, inside of you or next to you. Exactly. And then the last one, que vergüenza. Que vergüenza. How embarrassing. How embarrassing, yeah. Now, if you compare that to the phrase estoy embarazada, now you would think that would mean I am embarrassed. Embarazada yeah. looks like embarrassed, but it doesn't mean that, does it? No, it means pregnant, which I hope you're not. Yeah, so just be careful. Don't be going around telling people that you want a preservative and that you are pregnant. See, the one that I really struggle with is the word anxious. Okay. Because in Spanish, you can use the word anxious for the same meaning as uh, as you use anxious in English, and the word in Spanish is ansioso, but also ansioso is kind of like a word for eager. So ansioso in Spanish doesn't necessarily has a negative connotation. Right. So sometimes I forget that and I use, well, I'm really anxious about it. And people say, mm, why are you so like worried or well, literally anxious about it? And what I mean is that I'm actually like eager, looking forward to. Ansioso in Spanish is a synonym of looking forward to. <laughs> So I always get that one mixed up. It's really it makes some situations really weird. That's really interesting. So new Spanish words when they come out, you mentioned that there's this institute that they have to go through. Yeah. So what happens there? So they normally try to find like a word in Spanish for. So uh, for example, email is correo electrónico. Copyright is derecho de autor. So there's a lot of words that the Real Academia Española already has a word in Spanish for. It's just that for whatever reason, the word in English is more popular. I was going to say the will of the people, because in France you have something similar. They have the Académie Française. And I remember the French wanted balladeur to be the word that everybody used, but everybody used 
Le Walkman. Le Walkman. Le, le, le Walkman. <laughs> That's hilarious. And, and they do that quite a lot in French. Like, if you look at other words in French, Le Weekend, uh, Le Dressing, that's a walk-in wardrobe, Le Parking, is parking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Le Planning. Le Planning. Yeah. And the, and the other one is Le Binge Drinking as well. <laughs> so, is that sort of like them trying to n- not take responsibility for it? Basically, yeah. Oh, French wouldn't do such a thing. As binge drinking. As binge drinking. So we'll take the, the, English, the English word. And, I, and I'm sure that the Académie Française let that one through quite uh, quite willingly. But I was also looking at some new words that have come out during the pandemic. And it's called franglais, this kind of French English. Mm-hmm. And the latest words were published in Le Petit Larousse, which is basically like the dictionary that gets yeah. published every year. So some really interesting words that have gone in, and this is in the French dictionary, obviously. Cluster, click and collect, batch cooking, emoji, with an accent above the E, mocktail, and the acronym VPN. But I also like catorzein, so that's 14, but mm-hmm. it's it's a mixture of quarantine and 14, so a 14-day okay. quarantine period. And corona piste, which is a cycle lane that was introduced during the the COVID, you know, when people were not driving as much and not using public transport. But there's been new Spanish words as well during COVID. So mutarse, which literally means to mute yourself. Okay, yeah, yeah. The thing is mutarse, or in Spanish, would be related to mutate, not, ah, okay. not to mute. Ah, okay. that's, that, that's the way, that's why I find this one weird. It comes from a mutation. In, uh, in Spanish, that word. The other one, Zumlianos. Oh, so I, I presume that that is like celebrating your birthday, I presume. Or, uh... Yeah, well done, well done. Covidiota. Covidiota. Oh, I love that one. I'm going to use that one. Like, Covidiot. Yeah, but they also use Corona Burro. <laughs> so, like, that's the donkey again, isn't it? Yeah, so, but that's the donkey, but in that context, it's used as, um, it's the American, they use like dunce, is it what, what's the word? When, no, when they, you oh, know, the dunce, the, the dunce, dunce where they, yeah. you, you know, when they say that you're not bright, okay. basically. Okay. And then what is the Spanish word for mask? For mask? Yeah, as in a mask that you wear. Oh, mascara. I thought you were talking about masculine. No, 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 no. As in a mask that you wear. Mascara. Well, there's a new word called mascarilla, and that's a small mask that covers the nose, mouth, and chin only. I think that one existed before, though. Really? I think so. I, again, it might have not been acknowledged by the Real Academia Española. Huh? Oh, don't hate the player. Well, yeah. <laughs> hey, the Real Academia Española. Okay, so it's quite interesting, isn't it, that both our languages have influenced the other. I think probably there's probably more English words in Spanish. Mm, I want to recount for that one. You want to recount? Yeah, I want to recount <laughs> because I, I'm sure that there's a lot more. I think that probably the difference is that... Spanish is influenced by a lot of words, but when it, whenever it comes from a Latin language, it's more difficult to uh, differentiate. When If you're talking about a, a word in English, it sounds very different. But also as well, Spanish has a lot of indigenous words in it as well. So if you look at Mexico, chocolate, tomato, chili avocado mm-hmm. they're all from kind of indigenous languages within mexico itself as well and the thing is not just one language influencing the other it's all of the language influencing each other it's it's a global process i suppose yeah and i suppose that's why they've never really had a 
one language to rule all, really, is it? Because the Esperanto. Remember, they wanted to make that the uh, universal language. You know, I went on a date with a guy who was the first actor to act in a film in an Esperanto film. Ah, oh, that's God. Your dating life is. He was also a member of a gay bird watching society. Okay, so. Shout out to to gay bird watchers, I suppose. Yeah, he was from Milton Keynes. Shall we move on? Yeah. Um, so, to finish off, what I'm going to do is we're going to play a little game show. We're going to talk about words in English mm-hmm. that have been borrowed from other languages. And you have to guess which language we've borrowed them from. God, I'm going to be crap at this. I didn't even know that Sabi came from Spanish, so... Are you ready? Yeah, let's... Go for it. Now it's time for your favourite afternoon game show, Lingua Franca, where you'll be tested on words the English language has borrowed from other languages. We just borrowed them, though. Remember that. Without further ado, here's your host, everyone's favourite wordsmith, Ben Goodwin. Am I supposed to clap to, like, hooray, something like that? (laughs) No, I'll add add that in in post-production. Okay. Okay, question one. This is an easy one to start with. Uh, okay, let's go for it. Karaoke. Uh, I mean, would that be from Japanese? It would. Karaoke originated in Japan, and the phrase literally translates as empty orchestra. Okay, so it's basically a really convoluted way to say singer. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, empty orchestra. Well, yeah, it's empty, so there's no orchestra. So the only thing that's there is the guy thing, is the guy singing. Uh, oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. All right. Someone's got the brains today. Right. right. Okay. Question number two. Cookie. Cookie. Like no the... cookie, as in like biscuit, not like as in biscuit. like. I'm cookie. I'm crazy. Cookie. Uh, cookie. Would that be from? I want to say something Nordic. I want to say, because I, I I seem to remember something about words that were, like, influenced by the Vikings in my Life in the UK test. And I don't know why I'm going there. So I'm going to say, like, Viking. Like, what, Danish? <coughs> oh, you're so close. It's Dutch. Ah, okay. It's co- I, I pre- presume you pronounce it Koeki? It's K-O-E-K-I-E. And it's defined as akin to cake. Here you are. Okay, question three. What language did we borrow penguin from? Penguin. Oh, one side of me wants to say that it's like an indigenous language. Uh, Another one just wants to say French. But since I cannot say what indigenous language, maybe South African? Maybe like Afrikaans or something like that? No. No. The answer is Welsh. Ah. So So it's not French either. (laughs) No. The origin of the word penguin is technically still debatable to this day. But it's thought that it comes from the Welsh penguin, which means white head. So can I claim it as Argentinian? You know, the Welsh community living in Patagonia. Maybe they invented the word. Oh, all those 300 people that speak Welsh in Argentina. Still there. I mean, if you can take ownership for words, 
and for things uh, um, in English, then why not I? Maybe they did. And it said there that it's still debatable, so I'm claiming that one. I mean, famously in Patagonia, there's not that many penguins, though, is there? Actually, the crap loves of penguins in Patagonia. But I thought Patagonia was inland. No, it's the whole region. You have the whole coast, you have Wales, you have Patagonia, you have... Oh, I didn't realise it went to the sea. I thought it was just like the Pampas. No, the Pampas is a completely different region further north. Okay, well, we'll get a map out in a bit and you can mm, yeah. uh, educate me. There's a lot. There's probably, again, probably the largest penguin <laughs> communities in the world are in Patagonia. Oh, well, actually, that kind of makes sense then. So maybe it was the Welsh-speaking... That's what I meant. I, I, I was kind of just like rolling my eyes and like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Ben-Hur. But actually, you've kind of got a point there. Again, I had my brain on today, remember? Okay, question four. Okay. Cartoon. Cartoon. Um, no idea. Shall we... Ooh, does this come from, like, Russian or something like that? Is that your final answer? Well, apparently from your face it's going to be wrong, but... <laughs> are, we locking, are we locking in Russia? Yeah, let's say Russian. <coughs> no. Italian. Ah. So it originates from the Italian term carton or carton, or I don't know how you pronounce that, which initially referred to as, was initially referred to a drawing on hard paper, and then it was transformed into comical representation in 1843. Fun fact, carton in Spanish means cardboard. I mean, this episode is just full full of fun facts. You're you're having fun and you're learning. This is like literally fun fact central. I mean, we could probably get a book deal off the back of today's episode with just fun language facts. Yeah, it would probably be a short book though. Anyway, should we carry on with the game? Oh, are there more? <laughs> one more. Okay. Okay. I mean, you've lost anyway, because yeah. you've, you've got one out of uh, four so far. But let's see if you can redeem yourself with this final question. I don't think you will, because this blew my mind. I mean... When I read this. Thank you for the word of confidence. But I'm tempted to give you a half point, actually, for the penguin thing. But I'm not going to, because... Um, You're a bitch. <laughs> well, no, I want you to try harder next time. Okay. Okay, question number five. Ketchup. 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 I'm thinking that it's definitely not a Latin language because ketchup is made of tomatoes and tomate, tomato um, uh, is more or less the same word in most languages, in Latin languages. But has it always been made with tomatoes? Uh, I, I, I don't know. If uh, There's many things in my life that I don't know. The history of ketchup is one of those that I don't. So are you suggesting that it is a, a Latin language indeed? Is that a clue? I, I'm not saying anything. Oh, God. Okay, I'll go for a Latin language, but I'll go for Portuguese. <coughs> you are so far away. Okay. You will not believe. Like, literally go to the other side of the world and you end up in China. Okay. It comes from Chinese, Mandarin. Okay. So originally, in Chinese, it's equal to ketchup. That word referred to a concoction of pickled fish and spices in 1692. A hundred years later, in the Western world, tomatoes were added to the sauce to create a very famous condiment called... Not ketchup. Called ketchup. Yeah, I know, but ketchup doesn't have fish. I mean, Western ketchup. Not now. I mean, you know, this is like, this is the time when, like, Tom Jones was written and not the singer. I mean... (laughs) I think I should get. I think I should get something for this one because it's so derivative. It just goes so far away into something that is completely different, like a fish sauce. Bab, 
you got to face it to the facts. You got one out of five. 20%. <laughs> I mean, 20%, but that is not a pass at university and you wouldn't have got your citizenship with that. How are you feeling right now? I mean... You look quite deflated, I'm not going to lie. At the end of the day, I still kind of speak four languages, so I might not know the origin of words, but I know how to speak them. So, see, I'm 20%, but I look ways to inflate myself. Well, that was a little tour de force of uh, the linguistic world. I mean, we live, we learn. Live, laugh, love. Mm, yeah, I'd rather not use that. <laughs> well, we do talk a lot about language in the podcast, so it's nice that, you know, once in a while we can really home in on it. And I think it's just really interesting, in general, where words come from and how they evolve. And the fact that so many words, you know, were used. I mean, I was only talking about a neighbour's patio earlier. I didn't know that I was basically using a Spanish word for free. So that kind of shows how much closer... We are when it comes to language. But I still think British is better because I think there's more originality in English words. In the modern context, it seems to be that you're just a bit lazy and you're just like, oh, we'll take parking. We'll take WC. We'll take all your English words. I mean, you didn't even invent ketchup, so hold your horses. To be honest, I thought ketchup came from the United States. I I was, again, there's lots of things today that have really... Blow my mind. Informative, yeah. <laughs> we we can say now that we're a cultural podcast, aren't we? we I, mean, I know we normally, normally say it anyway, but I think this one kind of cements that cultural part of it, does it? <laughs> I mean, I can't really see us, you know, like residing in the British Library or, or, or an equivalent institution. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm a foreigner. I'm going to be locked in the British Museum <laughs> if they find out. You know how the British Museum is? Isn't, they see something, ooh, suddenly south. I mean, do you know what? I, I would be quite happy to to be in the British Museum, as long as as long as we were fed, watered, and we occasionally got to go for a little run around London. To be fair, their cafe is not great, Bab. So very expensive coffee. That's well, yeah. Very expensive. I don't know if it was a bean to cup. I think it might have been powdered milk. Mm, it probably was. Having said that, if somebody out there is listening. And they work for the British Museum and you do, in fact, use real milk in your lattes and you do have a bean to cup machine. Please do get in touch and let us know. I was very hungover when I went to the British Museum the last time. So, you know, my taste buds were all over the place. And also, if we haven't mentioned your favourite Anglicism or your favourite English word that has permeated into your own first language or the other way around, your famous foreign word that has permeated into English, also get in touch. Oh yeah, you can get in touch with us in very, very multifarious ways. So we're on Twitter, you can message us at barebackpod. You can contact us on Instagram at barebackpodcast. We are on Facebook, all you have to do is hit that search bar, type in bareback, press return and we'll turn up somewhere. Or just send us an email at barebackpodcast at gmail.com like so many lovely people have been doing. Yeah, we absolutely love to hear from you. And you know what else we love as well, Ben? Uh, burritos. We do love a burrito, but we also love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as well. And a burrito. And a burrito. So if you want to send us a burrito, I mean, it's quite hard to send us a burrito via email, but if you want to do that, 
by all means, do. You can send us a photo of a burrito. <laughs> a photo of the best burrito in your town. <laughs> but please do, if you get a minute or so, go on to Apple Podcasts, if that's how you listen to us, and leave us a five-star review, because it all helps. Right, on that note, I need to go and have a burrito now. Yeah, let's have burritos. Have yeah. we got any fan heat? <laughs> I was going to say fan then. Have we got any... <laughs> What's the difference between a tortilla and a fan fajita? A fajita is another meal. Okay, so it's like a burrito. It's like yeah, an it's, open burrito. It's, it's a different meal. Okay. And a tortilla is the wrap, the bread thing. Okay. Maybe we'll just have a sandwich because this is all sounding quite complicated. No, let's have a burrito. We'll just order it. From where? We live in deepest, darkest Warwickshire. Well, there's a Mexican restaurant here. <laughs> Their produce goes via Old El Paso, and I ain't talking about the place. I know, I do miss gorditas when I went to Mexico. Oh, I love gorditas. Send me gorditas, people in Mexico. <laughs> Just send us whatever you want. We love you guys so much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you same time. Mm, same place. <laughs> same place. You always forget to say that, don't I know, you? I know, I know. It's just... Right, let's practice. Okay. We'll see you same time. Same place. Yes. It's, it's a great English phrase for you. Okay. Think properly. You ready? Okay. This is the big finish now, Bab. Okay. The listeners are not going to hear from us for another week. So give it your all, okay? Okay, guys. We'll see you same time. Next week. No! Oh, sorry. <laughs> see what I mean? It feeds next week. No, feeds, no. Let's it. do it properly. Okay. Okay, guys. We'll see you same time. Same place. Next week. Bye. Bye. Oh, my gosh. Finally, you got there. Bye. Bye. <laughs>